Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. Our guest this week on Carolina Newsmakers is Dr. Mike Walden, a very frequent guest on our program. And uh, we've already talked about an overview of what the COVID-19 situation is as far as the economy is to the state of North Carolina. And then we had him put on his his hat as a professor at NC State and talk about uh, the changes in education. Uh, I think the the next uh, area I'd like to go to, Mike, is what effect is this going to have on city, county, and government and state government? Because uh, North Carolina, of course, is one of those states that has a requirement for a balanced budget. With the economy down, income taxes, uh, income is going to be down. Sales tax is going to be down. That's uh, two of the primary sources of income. Uh, so uh, what effect is this going to have on our cities and counties and uh, the state government? I think it's going to be a very challenging time. Uh, unfortunately, right now, we don't know the total effect. Governor Cooper just uh, released his budget recommendations for the next fiscal year. He released them yesterday. And in that release, he is making use of, I think, about $900 million of federal dollars that were appropriated to North Carolina for uh, uh, COVID-related activities. And I think there's some flexibility there. And he wants to use those dollars in, in different ways. And, and Governor Cooper's budget does not, does get us through the next fiscal year, as I understand it, without a tax increase. Now, of course, as you know, Don, that's going to have to go through the legislative uh, process. I think in that budget also, the governor wants to increase unemployment compensation payments to workers. North Carolina is, is on the low side there, which would dig into the the um, uh, reserves for the unemployment compensation system. So they're gonna be, we're gonna hear a lot about this over the next couple of years. The budget, the, the economists who work for the General Assembly, who are in, who have the job of forecasting revenues, uh, they're going to be coming out with some new numbers next month, September. So we're in a period here, Don, where we really don't know precisely. If I had to render a forecast, I think we are going to be in a challenging situation where the state's going to have to make some tough decisions. But I don't think right now, I don't think that we're going to be in a situation where there's going to have to be drastic cuts uh, across the board. The economy is recovering. Fingers crossed it'll continue to recover. Uh, we do have we have we have gotten large amounts of money from the federal government. I think the trick there is to make sure we can use them in a flexible way. And I think the federal government is 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 uh, becoming a little more leaning on that. So um, I'm I'm not looking for disaster. For this this upcoming year uh, fiscal year, but I do think there'll be challenges. Well, North Carolina, of course, has uh, as we've talked about a number of times, 20 25 counties that are booming, and some 75 counties that are either stagnant in their growth or actually losing. Uh, some of those will have even more challenges as far as their budgets, and uh, uh, that's that's going to be another challenge for the General Assembly to figure out how to handle that situation. That's right. I mean, most of our counties rely importantly on the property tax. So if property values don't go down, uh, which rarely, uh, only in a dramatic situation do they do, uh, those property values should should hold up and the revenues from those those property taxes uh, should do well. Now, you're absolutely right. Counties get a piece of the sales tax. 
And if people aren't spending and they haven't been spending at rates, um, uh, then that's going to affect that. Although the numbers on on sales, on consumption, consumer spending have actually been fairly good. I think compliments of the, the dramatic um, impacts of the federal government's had in terms of the stimulus checks and the, the bonuses, the unemployment compensation, et cetera. So again, I think municipalities, counties, the state, university system, community college system, all of them are going to have challenges, but I don't think we're in a disastrous, the challenge is going to be overwhelming that we're going to have to have big cuts here and big cuts there. Right now, it looks like hopefully, fingers crossed, they will be they will be manageable. Everyone will not get what they, they want to have, but I don't think we're in so, some sort of a, a great depression situation, if I can use that term. Well, it's, it's certainly an interesting thing. Now, let me ask you this. You uh, said earlier that you watched uh, six recessions. How many of those recessions have been uh, and occurred during an election year, and how much of an effect do you think uh, the, uh, the election process is going to to affect the legislation and the actions of the General Assembly and the federal government on how we aid and assist the, not only in healthcare, but also the economies. Well, of course, we're, we're two months out from the election and uh, the, the Congress is actually, I think, adjourned. Um, North Carolina's General Assembly is coming back. And I don't, think we're, I don't think we're gonna get a lot of movement out of Washington. And I, I think we're gonna have a big debate here in, in, uh, in, in Raleigh about governor's budget and alternatives. Uh, to answer your first question, uh, clearly recessions, a, a sitting president does not want to run for re-election during a recession because people tend to associate bad economic times with the president. They also associate good economic times with the president, whether president, particular presidents had any impact or not. I mean, Jimmy Carter, former President Carter is the best example of that. He was running for re-election uh, during a recession and the, the results were disastrous. Gerald Ford, was running for um, not a re-election, but uh, elected on his own to be president. Uh, we were coming off of a fairly bad recession, and of course, he lost. So generally, recessions are not good for the incumbent. I, this this may be this time may be different in the sense that um, we may be the economy may actually be on the upswing, a small upswing, but an upswing, and so there 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 may be some rising optimism there. I do think people. Um, and I may be overstating this, but I think a lot of people understand this was not your typical recession. It was caused by the COVID. I think probably the administration, the Trump administration, and I'm not, not taking sides here, but just in terms of their vulnerability, probably are more vulnerable in terms of, of people evaluating them on whether did they take action soon enough to deal with the virus or, and, and, and have their actions been consistent, et cetera. So my guess is that this election is going to be turned more on the, on the virus and where we are with the virus and can people see improvement as opposed to the economy? Because I do think the economy is going to continue to prove, uh, improve up to election day. Well, it's certainly an interesting situation that we find ourselves in. And uh, uh, the uh, economic situation uh, improving uh, could uh, greatly be affected by announcements about vaccines. And that's the reason a lot of people- Oh, absolutely, absolutely, yes. So uh, um, we uh, we were talking earlier about uh, uh, the federal debt because the federal government yes. uh, is now considering another stimulus package. What do you see coming out of that and how will that affect the economy? 
Well, right now it doesn't look like we're going to have any agreement in the Congress uh, to to have another federal federal stimulus package. I could certainly be wrong, but right now it looks like the the two sides are very very far apart. Um, we have done a lot. Washington has done a lot. I, I give them credit for moving very quickly, and I think the reason they did move quickly, and this is in March April period, is because they knew that closing a large part of the economy and at its peak roughly. 40% of 30 to 40% of the economy was effectively closed. They knew that was going to cause a recession and they knew people were going to be hurting. People were be business would be hurting. So they passed things like the stimulus checks, the payroll protection act, the supplements to unemployment, um, uh, compensation, et cetera, which, which, which pushed trillions of dollars into the economy. And that's why if you look at the numbers, Don, it's actually amazing. If you look at consumer spending, barely a blip there downward. Consumers continue to spend, and not in the same way they had pre-pandemic, but they continue to spend. And do you know, Don, that actually during the last few months, consumers have actually paid down on credit card debt, and the savings rate has gone up. So, so the the actions the federal government took, I think, were very, very essential to trying to 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 keep the cost of this recession, this pandemic-related recession down. Now, you're absolutely right. Where did all this money come from? It's been borrowed. It's added to the national debt. Now, people ask me, well, Walden, uh, should they have done that? Well, I don't see any I don't see any alternative. If we wanted a large part of the economy to just be destroyed, and if we wanted literally people to be out on the street with no way to, to keep themselves alive, then that's what would have happened if we hadn't borrowed the money. So yes, we did borrow the trillions of dollars, but I think there was a good reason for doing that. So the next challenge, of course, will be once we're back on our feet, will the Congress figure out some way of how to manage that debt in a, uh, in, a in an effective way? Which leads me, Don, if I can do this, and authors always do this, to promote my new book, uh, okay. which is just released. It's called Real Solutions, Common Sense Ideas for uh, for solving our most pressing problems. I, in that book, I talk about education, both uh, lower education, higher education, healthcare, income inequality, national debt, taxes, spending, the environment, immigration, all the big hot, top, hot uh, topics, uh, hot button issues. I use my over four decades of experience in following these. So I'm very proud of this book and people have read it have said, you know what, uh, you really write very clearly and, and I really understand what you're talking about. So if you want a perspective on how we might address these issues down the road, uh, go to your favorite bookstore or online and order Real Solutions. Well, Mike Walden, well, uh, I'm always glad to promote your books because they're always great and they uh, do, uh, they are written in a way that uh, laymen uh, like myself and folks who are not uh, great students of uh, whatever subject you happen to be dealing with can understand. And I've always valued the way you make uh, complex issues uh, simple enough for my simple mind to understand. And, and that's very much appreciated. Um, so uh, speaking of the federal budget uh, debt, uh, percentage-wise, uh, how much more can we go before we are really getting to some point of a uh, of a uh, place where you flags start going up and saying, wait a minute, uh, this is getting to be dangerous territory. Well, the good news here, Don, is that with interest rates very, very low, in fact, the Federal Reserve came out today and said that they were effectively going to keep interest rates extraordinarily low for the foreseeable future. They care, you know, this is a business person, there's debt and then there's the, the carrying costs of the debt. 
And the carrying cost of the debt as a percent of the economy is actually still relatively modest uh, comparatively. So as long as interest rates are low, we can go on. There is no magic date out there where, where we're going to fall apart. In fact, there are countries in the world like China and Japan, uh, interestingly, we have debt levels compared to their economy much higher than ours. Now, does that mean we can just, just be willy-nilly borrowing whenever we want to? No. I mean, what I talk about in my book is when there's nothing wrong with borrowing as long as you're borrowing for a good reason. And I think keeping the economy and people afloat during this pandemic was certainly a good reason. I think other good reasons are investments like in roads and bridges and maybe high-speed internet, et cetera. So these are things I do discuss in the book. Our guest is Dr. Mike Walden, and we'll be back with one final segment here on Carolina Newsmakers right after these messages. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. I came out in the 11th grade. Nobody was embracing you. The kids were cruel. It was very difficult to be gay. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. The hard part was determining that I was going to do it but I definitely didn't do it alone. At age 30, with the help of her mentor, Carissa finished her high school diploma. I have a mentor, Maria. She convinced me to continue my education and to finish what I started to get my diploma. She just never judges. She's a true role model. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, go get it. You can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen. For late nights writing English papers. For your teen's music taste. For dinners, where they talk more on their phone than with you. For the first time, they call you mom. You're never completely ready to adopt a teen and you can't imagine the reward. To learn more about adopting a teen, visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers with our frequent guest, uh, Dr. Mike Walden, who uh, we've had a great visit with. And if you uh, we're not with us from the beginning, and you'd like to hear the entire broadcast, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast. A number of the stations that carry this program carry an edited version that ends up being 30 minutes, and the program itself is longer. If you'd like to hear the segments that you miss, you can also go to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear those two segments, carolinanewsmakers.com. Jason Kong, our producer, isolates those segments that you miss as well as identifies the entire program. And if you'd like to share it with a friend, you can do that. Well, uh, Dr. Walden, we start off talking the overview of the economy. Uh, then we move to what effect it's having on the colleges and universities. And then we move to uh, how state and county and city governments are going to be facing with finding solutions and what uh, problems are going to be uh, created because of uh, uh, perhaps a drop in tax revenues. Let's talk a little bit about the consumer now. And of course, you alluded to it at the very end of the last segment. Interest rates are at all time low. Mortgage rates are as low as they've ever been. They, they are. And um, the home building industry has actually done for fairly well. 
uh, home sales have done fairly well. And I think that's that's a tribute to the lower interest rates, but I think also people are, are confident in the future in this economy and their jobs. Um, the building sector has continued. The, the governor, Governor Cooper, said that was one of our essential issues. So if you drive around Raleigh, you still see, see street construction and you still see homes and office buildings and condominiums being, being built. Uh, yeah, consumers have done, I mean, I, I don't want to minimize this, and, and, and clearly there are people out there who are just absolutely struggling, and, and, and our heart goes out to them, and I hope we can reach them and do more. Uh, but if you look at the depth of this downturn, and you look at how the consumer has fared, uh, I would have predicted the consumer would have fared much worse. And again, I do attribute the better situation for consumers overall to the intervention of the federal government through through its various programs. I think the challenge, uh, Don, uh, next year for a lot of people will be that I think we're not gonna go back to where we were. Uh, that's that's a mistake in thinking. If, you, if, if anyone thinks that, all right, once the vaccine comes and the economy settles down, we're just gonna pick up where we were in January of 2020. No, we are in a permanently, the, the, the COVID, the pandemic has permanently changed this economy particularly in, in terms of the types of businesses and the types of jobs that are available. So as I said earlier, I think we're gonna face a big challenge uh, in 2021 and beyond of, of a number of people in our state and our communities who find they wanna work, they've been working, they're hardworking, but they find their job is just not there or the hours aren't there and they're going to have to retrain. That's, that is my biggest concern that we make sure we're ready to help them get through that make sure we can identify areas that are going to be in need, in demand in the coming years in this changed economy, and then provide the educational opportunities for them that are, that are focused, that are fast, and that are uh, inexpensive. Now, uh, of course, uh, those who are working, and of course, as you stated, we've got two, two groups of people, people who are out of work, their, their situation is entirely different from those who are right. still working. But those who are still working and still have relatively the same amount of income, their family budgets are changing. For example, uh, travel, vacation, recreation, and entertainment budgets have greatly been shifted and for the most part uh, lowered considerably. Where is that money going to go? Well, I think we are also going to see a shift in how people spend their money. We've seen that, as you just alluded to, during this pandemic, people are spending more on on the grocery, on supermarkets, they're eating, doing more eating at home. Uh, they're not, they're not traveling. Um, they're spending more on home entertainment. They're spending on more on remodeling their homes and maybe adding some, uh, some um, exercise facilities indoors and outdoors. Um, it, it's going to be very interesting to see how much we do go back to approach normal. I don't think we're ever going to go back to pre-COVID, but. I think obviously when the economy gets back to some sense of normalcy, people will begin to eat out more. Some people will join gyms, et cetera. But I do think some of those areas will, will not be the size they used to be. I think the number of gyms are going to be permanently smaller. Probably the number of bars and restaurants are going to be permanently smaller. So all those industries where there is still a high degree of face-to-face -face personal contact, I think people are going to keep in their heads this, this threat of, of a virus being spread through a lot of face-to-face kind of, I think that's going to linger with us for maybe a number of years. That's going to affect buying habits. And we're all learning new tricks. For example, we're doing this program by Zoom. You're at, right. you're at your home. I happen to be in the office today, but several times I've done my program 
this program from my home. And uh, of course, that uh, is a new trick that we're all learning. And for example, in your case, it saves your travel time to and from the right. studio. So some additional time. And uh, so uh, I suspect that business travel is going to be greatly affected by the habits that we picked up during this so-called uh, new normal. Yeah, and, and one of the upsides of this may be if people work more from home, maybe not exclusively, maybe go to the office one or two days a week, but they work more from home, think of the reduction in daily traffic. We're not going to have those traffic jams, at least the level of them and the, and the, uh, the frequency of them in, in the Raleigh area or any other big metropolitan area. Or, of course, in North Carolina, you get a lot of commuting from rural counties into the big cities. You're not going to have that as much. And that's going to reduce perhaps the need for some families to have as many vehicles as they have. That could free up a lot of money for people. And the wasted, the downtime of setting in traffic and getting to and from work, you, you could have a, a degree of stress reduction among households go down and perhaps potentially more time with their children. So there are all sorts of, of, um, of uh, implications post-COVID that I think we could be seeing, uh, many of which I, I view as, as, as po probably positive. Well, we all learn new tricks and certainly we've learned uh, one by use of Zoom and things of this nature. Uh, I for one feel like I'm more in touch with our out of town radio stations than I've ever been because I'm meeting with them far more frequently. And uh, the difference between uh, uh, a telephone conversation and seeing the faces is amazing. I mean, it, that brings, uh, a whole new dimension to having conference calls. I agree. I agree. Seeing people as you talk to them, even if you're not there in person, you know, gives me at least a, a greater degree of uh, being in touch with you. And, and I, I would expect this technology is going to get nothing but better over time. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, that's I mean, why I do think yeah. that remote working is probably going to be at a permanently higher level and increasing. It's not going to go back to the 8% it was pre pre-pandemic. We've got about 30 seconds for this answer. Do you see that experience happening with your students as you go to virtual learning that you will have more face-to-face -face actually because of Zoom than you had before? I do. I do. I think there'll be a tremendous amount of investment by companies in learning technology, and I think it will get better and better and better. That's why I do think it'll be a permanent part of the educational experience in the future. So if there's just one thing we need to look uh, at uh, as an indication that we're getting better, what would that be? What would the thing that you would point to as being a real indicator that we're getting somewhere? Well, the reduction to, to see that initial claims for unemployment are going down and any news, any news on a vaccine. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Walden, uh, Mike Walden, who's, uh, as I said, been with us so many times. Don't forget his new book, Real Solutions. You can go online and order it, and I'm sure you will enjoy it because all of his books make uh, learning about the economy easy. Our program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he'll have another interesting guest for us next week. In the meantime, if you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or share it with a friend, you can go online and do just that. So the next week, same time, have a nice week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.